Welcome to All About Data on Federal News Network. Now your host, Jory Heckman. Thanks for joining me this week on All About Data, a conversation with chief data officers and the people who are making data work better in government. On today's episode, we have an exit interview with the former chief AI officer for the Health and Human Services Department, OKINET. He's now the chief information security officer at Equity and Health. Oki, thanks for joining me. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. I think this is a really interesting role that you had over at HHS, and I want to start the conversation by better understanding how the chief AI role was established over at HHS. What needs over at the agency did this role seek to meet? Definitely. I think I was the first department-level chief AI officer, and I've noticed the federal government and other health organizations are actually appointing chief AI officers within the organization. That's a good sign we are moving in the right direction, in my personal opinion. In terms of how the role was created, I think what started was when we started looking at health and human services, across health and human services as a department, we noticed that there were a lot of AI and machine learning use cases. And this came from, you know, the privacy did that data call and the president management agenda and different various groups were doing data call on what the department is doing around AI and machine learning. And we noticed that we have well over 100 AI use cases across the department. But the question is, how do we know that they are following the federal mandates, recommendations, executive orders, such as to promoting the use of trustworthy AI in the federal government? as well as maintaining American leadership in AI. So we don't know. There was no clarity in terms of are they following that policy? Is there any governance and compliance? So there's little oversight. Additionally, there were many studies that have shown that 80 to 85% of the AI and machine learning projects never made it to deployment. So you never make it to production. They're kind of stuck in proof of concept. So that created a lot of risks, not only from cost and reputation, right? Because, you know, we're working a lot of AI machine learning, but 80, 85% does not make it to production. So we wanted to solve those issues and, and kind of dive into it. And that's why we started looking at the department and how do we come up with a strategy on AI and how do we solve this issue? And that's how I became appointed as the first chief AI officer for the department. Given what you just said here, what did you think you, in your mind, were set out to do as part of this? Yeah, I think the, the main issue is to make sure we align with all the federal mandates that's coming down the pipe from the White House and OMB, the two executive orders and what the White House is doing on the AI Initiative Act as well. And really, how do we lower that number of 85% of AI project not making it to production? Really, the goals were to, to break down the silo because most of the work were being done, really being in silo and not having tied to the overall HSS AI strategy. So we started the community of practice to help people lean in and share their lessons learned and best practices, but also serve as a center for excellence and to share the projects, what they're doing with AI machine learning and to get other people to kind of see the art of the possible, but also to see some of the risks and the challenge that comes with it as well. The AI Council was meant to make sure that each 
optic or each division across the department have a voice in how we carry out the strategy because we didn't want to do it in silo. We can't preach that we want to break down silo, but making a decision sitting in headquarters without involving the division leads on AI. So the council was meant to have people come over and strategize and discuss how we move the AI strategy and how we implement the AI strategy. Thirdly, the lunch and learn was very popular within the department. We invited folks that have won the Turing Award, which is equivalent to the Nobel Prize for AI and and computer science. So that was very popular just to get people to lean in. And the other thing that we were working on was to create a sandbox where people could share resources, AI pipeline, data pipeline, any code, open source code that people want to share that we collect along the way, but also started looking at cataloging the data as well. And we could go more into the data part, but I think the biggest missing piece in a lot of the AI strategy is that data catalog across the organization. Let's dive into that a little bit more in terms of the data cataloging, you know, how much progress would you say has been made and what are some of the broader challenges around data when it comes to AI? Most of the work in AI machine learning is around data and most of it is really processing the data, getting the data away from either a hard copy or scanned documents to make that is machine readable. I think that's the biggest challenge. The second challenge also around data is we don't know where the data reside. That was a big challenge for us. What we did was that when there's a data call, either by OMB or even the GAO or any entity that are asking for use cases across health and human services, we asked for what data is being used as well for that use case. My plan moving forward was actually to work with the chief information security officer. There's this thing called under the FISMA Act. Any system that needs to go into production has to be authorized, assessed and authorized. We call it the authority to operate. My goal was to work with the CISO to have a policy in place that any system that are going through that ATO process provide a data dictionary. So we know exactly where the data reside and we could start creating a data catalog for the department and start classifying data and labeling them and even go further to label them that they are PII or even HIPAA related. And so my goal was that I don't want to be in the business of negotiating for data. I would leave that up to the business owner, the process owner, but I would provide a mechanism for them to know where the data reside, where they could search for data and query and know who to contact to get those data sets. The data thing is definitely a, a major uh, hurdle to overcome. Okay, and just to clarify on that point, the data dictionary that you were describing, that helps you and other folks at the agency understand where the data lives? Correct. Where the data lives, who owns it, where it resides in the system, but also to label them as well. So my background is cybersecurity. It's all about classifying and labeling data. You can't create a security program or safeguarding strategy if you don't know the level of sensitivity of the data. So that data labeling and classification has to be in play as well when you're trying to build this data catalog. Okay. And let's actually circle back a little bit to the sandbox environment you were describing. I think a lot of agencies are kind of doing that now too. That seems to be a best practice for people who want to get their hands dirty with the AI, so to speak. Tell me a little bit more about the sandbox environment, how that's useful to get AI off the ground. It's almost like an ecosystem that we were planning to create. Part of it is a sandbox. 
Part of it is the data collection, the data catalog. The sandbox could also provide a source of not just resource sharing, but also as an education mechanism as well to show them the art of the possible in terms of the synthetic data and how it could help with your use case. What is linear regression? What is supervised and unsupervised? We could actually show them uh, some sort of simulation or demo, but also allow them to bring the data in to run through this sandbox. Let's say I have a big data set and I want to know what outcome I could come from uh, just looking at linear regression or even unsupervised and just can you group my data set. But also I want to start collecting open source model algorithms or anything that related to this AI pipeline and be able to share that across the department. If people are working on a similar project, they could look at the code and say, hey, you know, I could use a piece of this for this or that. So it's really about sharing knowledge and sharing resource and collaborating across the department. You had mentioned earlier about just the scope of AI use cases at HHS, more than 100, and it must be difficult to really pick just a handful of them. But in terms of projects that seemed the most exciting or the most transformational for the agency, were there any use cases that jump out at you as being particularly promising? The cybersecurity use cases are very promising because if you assist so, the data is available for you. You don't have to go out and negotiate for data from other system owners or business owner because then, then you have to get into the HIPAA regulations, PHI, PII. But integrating AI into cyber makes sense to me because the process is quite antiquated at the moment to fight the bad actor who's using advanced technology, AI, machine learning against us. I think integrating AI into cyber makes sense. And of course, there's so many work that's going around across the department in terms of integrating AI into FDA was interesting around how do we go through the process of reviewing and approving food and drugs and even uh, medical devices by using AI into it. Acquisition was interesting as well because we are a big department and we buy a lot of things, services and products, but the information in the contract writing system are not clear in terms of what is the product and what is services and how do we break down into quantity. If we could gain better insight into what we're buying, the price, the agreement, then we can negotiate for better price. And there's a lot of use case around fraud and abuse as well. So that's, you know, just trying to dive deep into data and trying to gain insight from it. That's really my understanding of AI is that's what it really is, is just trying to gain insight and make our processes, make our lives better and, and break down the data silos. Yeah. And one other through line from all of these use cases that you described, it seems like it can really augment the existing HHS workforce to do more, be more productive in the course of a day or a week or a year. How do you see these AI tools being beneficial to the HHS workforce or more broadly, the federal workforce? Well, I mean, it always starts with the mission, right? What is the mission? The mission is to enhance the health and well-being of all Americans. So how do we provide better service delivery to our American citizens? And that is really the true essence of what we're trying to do. You know, when people want to innovate, they always think about the technology in the process, but people forget about the human elements of this, which is a big part of this. AI could definitely help 
Streamline or even RPA or analytics could help definitely identify the pain points, uh, the chokehold within the process. How do we speed up the process? But also, how do we gain better insight into the data that we have been collecting for years? A good analogy that I always use is is like a librarian managing a library, but we're not indexing or cataloging their books. Uh, how do we find information? Or how would you find the right book? If we don't index or catalog our books, you can't benefit from the information if you don't have insight of where things are first and foremost. And how do we get that information to the right people at the right time? I think that's where AI could really help. We're speaking with Oki Mech, the former chief AI officer for the Health and Human Services Department. He's now the chief information security officer at Equity and Health. We're going to take a short break, but we'll continue our conversation when we return. I'm Jory Heckman, and you're listening to All About Data on Federal News Network. Welcome back to All About Data. We're speaking with Oak Neck, the former chief AI officer for the Health and Human Services Department, now the chief information security officer at Equity and Health. A moment ago, we were talking about some of the data-specific challenges around fielding AI, but I want to broaden that question out a little bit more in terms of other challenges that federal agencies typically run into when it comes to AI. What have you seen as the bottlenecks or challenges of making that happen? So I think everybody, every organization, if they are mid-sized and large, a uh, smaller organization might have some difficult time trying to come up with a strategy, but I think every organization should have an AI strategy and a data strategy, and it has to go hand in hand. The strategy has to be a holistic strategy for the department and tie it to the business and the mission. That cannot be in silo. Secondly, you can't make a decision or strategize on something without understanding the situation, the infrastructure, the culture as well and also where the data reside. That, I think, is the, the most difficult part, understanding and getting a good picture of where things are and where we are in as a culture, as well as how mature our processes are and trying to tie that to the business and the mission. I think that is the biggest challenge. But I, I, I highly encourage organization. You start seeing a lot of health organization outside of health organization as well, start looking at uh, a chief AI officer uh, in the future. Speaking of AI strategies, uh, I think that was a big part of your uh, your role is just overseeing the AI strategy over at HHS, a really comprehensive document. But if you could boil it down to some main points here, what were some of the key takeaways of that document? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. The strategy and the trustworthy playbook and our implementation plan are all on the HSS AI website that's made public. So I highly recommend, because I've been talking to a lot of folks and people are, are starting from scratch in terms of AI strategy and how do we align with all the executive orders that are coming down from OMB. I would highly recommend people to even if you're not in the health industry, to look at the AI strategy as well as the trustworthy playbook. We've been getting a lot of feedback on the materials that we have created. The strategy, really, to highlight the strategy is really to, you know, break down the silo. Let's let's come together as a department and strategize on how we want to approach 
AI and how we align with all the federal mandates. How do we gain the trust of the people by making sure that our AI machine learning work uh, apply all the trustworthy principle into the use cases in the project, but also be a good steward of funding as well. Making sure that hey, you know, we are successful and lower that eighty eighty five percent. Failure rate. I don't want to say failure rate, but it never make it to production. How do we lower that number, that risk for the department, not just from cost perspective, but reputation-wise as well? And lastly, just to work not only internally with the workforce and all the great leaders at Health and Human Services, but also to work with other federal agency as well, as well as having that private-public partnership as well. Because I foresee that most of the AI built will be done outside and bring bought into the federal government. I say most, not all, because there will be some exceptions where people want to build internally. But the public-private partnership is critical, so we have to educate all the organization that are building AI. That here are the you know here's the playbook, here's the principle that you have to abide by. When you're bringing this into the federal government, because that protects them, that protects uh, federal agency as well, so we could, you know, help support the mission uh, from both sides. I think that not just federal employee, but our partners as well are helping carry out the mission. So I think it, it takes a village. It's it's a team sport to get this done. You you mentioned that there's a really big. Community of interest within HHS, which is a large federated agency. But are there other federal partners elsewhere in government where you and other members of the HHS team were able to compare notes on the future of AI and where things were going? Oh, definitely. That that was one of our biggest objective to carry out the AI strategy. When I was the chief AI officer, I you know I have a, a monthly call with the AI lead at the White House. I talked to NSF, who's focusing on uh, privacy-preserving uh, solution and other uh, studies as well. I talked to GSA regularly, the VA, doing a lot of amazing things there. And it has that natural alignment regarding health data spoke with the DOD Jake as well and folks at DHA as well. So, and Department of Energy as well. And we were trying to expand that to, I was actually trying to recommend an informal council that agency AI lead can come together and, and discuss the path forward. Because when you look, when you look into the strategy and what people are trying to do, most of it is the same. We're trying to solve the same issue. We're trying to make sure that it, it follow federal mandates, that it has a trustworthy, responsible principles. We want to work together. We want to identify where the data resides. If you, if you just dive deep into the approach of AI, it's, we're trying to solve the same issue across all federal departments, even at a state level as well. So it was good to, at least informally, we were getting together and, and discussing how do we respond to this federal mandates and what are you doing at this area? What are you doing in this area in AI strategy? What are your implementation plans? The trustworthy playbook is very popular, by the way. I, I think a lot of federal agencies are just going to take it and tweak it and then use it for the department because it's very comprehensive. It's, I think it's, it's, it's very valuable piece of material for any organization that have an AI strategy and trying to, to focus on AI and for the future. 
let's actually drill down into that a little bit more because I think that is very much on a lot of people's minds right now, the trustworthy AI. What are some of the key points that any organization should keep in mind when it comes to making sure the AI is trustworthy, reliable, and free of biases? That's a tough one. I think most agencies, uh, it's a work in progress because right now there's no uh, clear governance and compliance process into all the AI. I mean, you have your traditional IT governance, compliance, and security as well, but AI is a whole new beast that's coming into the ecosystem. When you're dealing with a lot of data, you're dealing with a lot of interconnected systems. How do we buy these principles of privacy-preserving explainability? It can't be a black box. Uh, transparency as well, interoperability. These are all principles that we have to apply into our our AI machine learning projects. The best thing I could say is is the work in progress. And I think the best approach is to come together and come up with a a strategy on how we approach this uh, responsible trust with AI. And it can't, it has to be done at a department level. It can't be done here, a pocket here, a pocket there. Then, you know, it's not aligned. It's not, we're not on the same page. It has to be done. That's why everybody, I think everybody needs, every organization needed an AI strategy and a data strategy. You had mentioned how AI has major implications for the future of healthcare in this country. What do you see as some of the emerging trends to follow or to keep an eye on? I think the trend now is individuals, they want more control of their health data. Uh, right now, it's very hard to pinpoint where your data is and where it resides. Think about, you know, when you go to your family physician, you go to a dentist, you go see a specialist, you go get a blood drawn, the data is dispersed all over the place, right? And you don't know where it resides. You have little control of your data. I think the future of healthcare, at least from uh, the consumer, they want more access to the data. They want to consent to where their data is being accessed or share. So privacy preserving is going to be critical in the future. I think that's where AI could really identify and classify the data and identify where it's moving, where it's going, and who's sharing it, who's accessing it. But also, this is where I feel blockchain is so critical in healthcare, where it has that transparency, that validation, and that audit record to know where data is going, where data is being accessed, where it's being shared. In some cases, where the data sets are being sold without your knowledge. I think that is the future. Uh, People start talking about Web3 as well, where you have more control of your data online. That's the future for healthcare. And I think that's what Equidium Health is working on. That's why it was so exciting for me to come on as a CISO for Equidium Health is to to solve those issues, those complex issues, and give the control back to the consumer, uh, the individual, to have full control of their personal and medical data and provide fine-grained consent of who can access the information and who can't, but also have that record, immutable record, or that audit record that, hey, you know, I know exactly where my data reside, and, you know, if I want to sell the data, my own personal data, I can, but, you know, that I can monetize that as well. I have the control of, of monetizing my own data, uh, contribute to any studies, 
may it be clinical or non-clinical. So I think that is the future. That was Oki Mech, the former chief AI officer for the Health and Human Services Department. He's now the chief information security officer for Equity and Health. You can find the full interview and transcript on federalnewsnetwork.com. I'm Jory Heckman, and thanks for listening to this episode of All About Data. Thanks for listening to All About Data on Federal News Radio, part of Federal News Network. You can listen to this episode and past episodes anytime in your favorite podcast app. Search for All About Data on Podcast One, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your shows. Your story, it lives in River City, where you can enjoy a metropolitan vibe and a small town feel, where we set the standard for service and looking out for one another, where there's so much more than steak in our thriving food scene. Your story is the story of Omaha, told by those who live it and love it, whether that's helping you keep up with the Cornhuskers or creating the content you crave. And here in the Omaha World Herald is where it comes to life. Omaha World Herald, where your story lives.